Yeah, if, yeah, okay, let's move on. So welcome, my name's Steve. It's great to, I'm going to serve you for a few minutes as we begin uh, our series in uh, this January at the start of 2023, uh, this month of devotion. We've got 23 days of prayer and fasting for 2023, uh, which as Noah said, we're now in day two of, and uh, there are loads of opportunities for you to participate. Uh, Stu sends out an email every Thursday, and you'll find all the info you need in there. If you don't get the email, it'll be in the What's On calendar section of the, of the website, or just watch the church social media uh, stuff. Tonight at seven, yeah, on Zoom, really important that we pray uh, in faith tonight. Uh, and then in this, at the start of this month of devotion, um, if you want to, um, I know many of you have wonderful times, devotional times with the Lord in the mornings, great, please carry on with it. But for those that maybe want a bit of a refresher at the start of this year, then you can have the thrill of joining me at 6.30 for half an hour, uh, the next three mornings, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, on Zoom, uh, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll just learn again, remember again how to read the Word of God, how to pray, how to meditate on it, how to apply it in our lives at the start of the day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And on Thursday morning, we're relaunching our Thursday morning prayer meeting. We had one for decades, and uh, I think since COVID, we haven't started again. Uh, so for those, those that, that can uh, and, and are able to, I know many of you will be praying on your commute into work or getting ready for the school run or whatever it is that you do in your day. But for those that can come here for seven on Thursdays, we're beginning our Thursday morning prayer meeting again this week uh, for about 45 minutes in the old days, some people used to come for half an hour, then go get a train to London or you know, whatever, however it works for you. Uh, but if you want to come and pray with us and learn how to pray in the mornings again, come on Thursday. Okay, devotion, fasting. Um, I, there's so many uh, good books on prayer. There aren't so many good books on fasting. Uh, I love uh, Arthur Wallace's old classic, probably from the late 60s now, God's Chosen Fast. We may even have a copy down in, in our library down near the, the cafe. Have a look later, see if you can find it. If you're the first to get it, then well done you. I, I had the joy of reading this probably on day three of Christmas uh, in between a, a, a kind of another roast um, and before kind of cheese and cold turkey with a cup of tea and a Terry's chocolate orange in my hand, I was reading about fasting. It was a, a strange, probably the wrong way to study fasting, but uh, I've read this book many times over the years and often do at, this, at these kinds of points just to remind myself. There's a great book by one of our old Pentecostal friends as well, Franklin Hall. We, I love his diagrams. Atomic Power with God Through Fasting and Prayer. It's a book from the 50s, um, but, but full of all kinds of good things. Things, uh, on fasting. I love to read as well through months of prayer and fasting, some of the good missionary biographies. Uh, you, uh, you can't find so many of them now, but some of the older ones, maybe in second-hand bookshops or uh, on Amazon for like 37p plus postage, you get some of the amazing missionary biographies where you find people battling in prayer and fasting as they went to serve the Lord and, and dig in for uh, church planting in new territories around the world. Let me just encourage you to stretch yourselves through this month. Listen, I'm here to tell you today, this Sunday, next Sunday, the two Sundays after as we devote ourselves to the Lord, fasting, worship, prayer and the word. They're our themes for the next four, four Sundays. And I'm here to tell you today at the start of this devotion month, um, this, the beginning of this private and corporate prayer season that God intends for us to flourish in life, 
in relationship with him. We're able to enjoy all the good things he gives us, uh, but we're not to be mastered by anything other than uh, our decision to say, Jesus, you are our Lord and Master. You have the first place in our lives. It's really easy to say as a preacher, God wants us to flourish in everything. But if we're honest about our own lives, and if I'm honest about my life, there are all kinds of areas of my life where I'm not flourishing. I don't know how it is for you this morning or those that are with us or catching up on, on YouTube. We struggle with emotions that are out of control or we're just led by our emotions rather than what we know to be true in the word of God. Some of us battle with addictions or attitudes that, that really are not very godly. Many of us will struggle at times with, with secrets, controlling sin. Or maybe there's areas of unforgiveness in your life or mine or we battle with, with bitterness or, or, or sins that Christians don't think are as important, but, but they can kill you and kill a local church and kill the gospel in the lives of those around you. Things like cynicism, things like gossip. When I say things, let's call them sins. Um, many of us will battle with health issues or the way that we see ourselves or, or we go running around in life looking for comfort and looking for joy and security in all the wrong things and in all the wrong places. Maybe I'm just speaking about myself here, but perhaps, perhaps there are one or two, if you're honest, that say that's your heart as well. In, in Romans uh, 14, we, uh, we find Paul teaching, Romans 14, 17. I'm pressing my clicker, but it's not working, so maybe the guys can uh, just move the PowerPoint on. Romans 14, 17, Paul says it's not about rules or religion um, or, or fads. Um, in, in the context, he's talking about what we can or we can't do in terms of regulations around foods that are in and foods that are out for Christians and religious people. And Paul says into the middle of that, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Later on in 1 Corinthians 6, 12, uh, he's, again, he's in the middle of a kind of conversation in his letter. You say um, that, that I, can do, I have the right to do any, anything. But not everything is beneficial for me. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. We're coming to Jesus afresh today. In fact, I'm just going to pray now. Lord, will you, well, there are things that you need to realign in my heart and in the hearts of my friends here, those that call themselves disciples. Will you come again? We, we want to say, Lord, you are our master. You are our owner. My life is not my own. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. And so, Lord, you have permission today. Even now, as I speak and as we worship and respond in the days ahead, come realign every part of our lives that we might make you truly Lord and Master. Have you on your throne in our lives. Have all these other desires in their rightful place. But you in your right place, Lord Jesus. We love you. Help us to worship you truly and fully, we pray. Amen. Amen. Fasting has become um, a really cool kind of hipster movement now. It's a branded, healthy, living lifestyle choice in the West. There's, if you go onto your Insta feed or your TikTok, uh, there's loads of intermittent, intermittent fasting kind of plans and regimes at the gym um, with the, the footballers that I serve through the chaplaincy. A number of them now love their kind of intermittent fasting. The runners I run with at the running club, they talk about it all the, the time. Um, and, and so fasting Fasting is, is also something that is now recommended for good mental and emotional health as well. 
when we were kids and getting started in church life, people weren't talking about fasting. I remember with the first church we planted, we came to a season of prayer and fasting for one of the first times. I thought, I'd better teach on this. And I realised, well, I don't know anything about this. And I realised, I've never heard a sermon on this. March 2000, that was when I first taught on fasting from the Bible. And now it's become a kind of cool, countercultural, uh, therapeutic way to live. And of course, it's really important that we take our health Seriously, uh, the, the food we eat, the impact that our, our food and our choices have on the, on the environment and the climate around us, taking physical care and, and emotional and mental care of our bodies. We, that's true. The scriptures say my body and your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. We've already, I think I prayed just now, my body doesn't belong to me. I belong to Christ. Uh, this is all an important part of our living for God. But that's not a sermon on biblical fasting. If, if it just becomes a kind of healthy living, better new year, better you kind of thing, then we've kind of missed the opportunity today. So I just want to come to the scriptures today. If you're taking notes, you can write down some of the scriptures we look at or just take a photo of the, of the screenshots. In simple terms, the Bible talks about fasting as going without food for periods of time for the Lord. Um, it, as part of our discipleship, it has a powerful spiritual dynamic that we'll come to see in a few moments. And believe it or not, you may not recognise it in your life, but it's a normal part of our discipleship alongside prayer, worship, uh, Bible study, drinking good coffee, those kinds of, of things. Just, just checking you're still listening. Um, and yet largely still unrealised by the church in the, in the West. Um, and again, because food and, and fasting fads are in our Western world culture now, they're in the church too. There, there is more talk now in the church about kind of forms of self-denial. You'll find even in our kinds of churches now, not just our Catholic or our high Anglican friends, but around Easter, in the run-up to Easter, you'll find believers like us who are not religious in any way, talking about giving things up for Lent. Or sometimes you'll hear about believers fasting TV or Netflix or social media um, or even things like sex. Uh, these are all forms of, I guess, what in the old days we would have called asceticism. Um, uh, they're, they're kind of regulations or controls we can put in on our life that help us m try to master some areas of life that are out of control. And that's not a bad thing. Maybe you touch your phone every 30 seconds. Hey, these, this month of devotion, put your phone away when you come in the house in the evening. Uh, fast from your phone. Hey, maybe that's a good idea. Put it down when you're at the dinner table. These things are, are good, um, but that's not necessarily what we're talking about here. And in the church now, some of these uh, kind of fasty fads are in the, in the church here a lot. Uh, kind of started with our American cousins now in the church in the UK as well. A lot of believers talk about Daniel. I'm doing a Daniel fast. Oh, that's great. Uh, again, there's some real value in that. Daniel was in exile in Babylon uh, and he was in a kind of leadership school uh, and the king of Babylon was feeding him with rich Babylonian foods. Daniel was a man after God's heart. He said, I'm not going to eat your foods. I'm going to trust God for my strengthening. Uh, and so Daniel just just, probably just ate vegetables and, uh, and, and didn't drink any of the wines from the king's table. And yet at the end of a period of time of eating this way, Daniel was prospering and flourishing like none of the, the others. People talk about Daniel fasts in churches, but we're very kind of faddish about this. I've never heard anyone saying, oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to be doing a John the Baptist fast in, uh, in January. If, if you know John the Baptist, he ate locusts.
interests. Um, uh, 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 anyone up for Daniel fast? Yeah, oh yeah, that sounds really spiritual. Oh no, I'm not doing a John the Baptist fast. The honey may be, but honey on locusts. It sounds more like I'm a celebrity, doesn't it? So we're, we're not into fads. We're not into just trying to keep up with the latest cool Insta church trend. We're not into self-denial, but we do want to understand biblical fasting and the spiritual dynamic it has for us as a part of our discipleship. Let me just tell you two things. Number one, Jesus himself fasted. Uh, There's an incredible narrative in the Gospels where Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, uh, out away from the people in the city, and there he spent 40 days without eating, just drinking water. Uh, Believers in the Old Testament and the New Testament are found fasting. Every church movement down through the, the centuries, great and small, has incorporated biblical fasting. So we just need to note that. And secondly, I said I'd tell you two things. Remember, remember, remember. Uh, fasting doesn't get us extra merit with God. Uh, I'm not doing it to, hey, Lord, look at me. Look how, how self-denially I'm being. That's not even a word. Uh, I'm not trying to get his attention. Remember, Paul said the kingdom of God is not about that. It's not about whether you eat this or don't eat this. We are resting in his finished work. We live in the grace of God. That means we've been, although we don't deserve it, uh, as we were seeing with the bottles of water yesterday, we're not holy, but we've been declared holy because we're in Jesus Christ. And so there's nothing extra I can do through my performance, uh, through losing half a stone and not eating anything through January that will somehow make God love me any more than he already does. Authentic biblical fasting is never out of a place of insecurity or seeking God's approval in some way. And if, if that's our motivation, we're better off just leaving it alone while we get our attitudes sorted. We often, as a church, talk about discipleship. We want to grow as disciples of Jesus. Matthew 28, Jesus tells his disciples he's about to ascend into heaven. He tells them to go and make disciples that will make disciples. And he says, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Let me say everything. Okay, well done, you're with me. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. So what did Jesus teach us about fasting so that we can obey it? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6 and maybe we can get on to the, the next slide. Or will my clicker work now? Dan, give me a nod. Oh, it's, oh let me try. Wow, oh, there we go. Look at that. Okay, when you fast, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 16. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show men their fasting. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so it will not be obvious to men that you're fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what you've done in secret, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. First of all, Jesus says, when? You fast, not if you fast. It's just a point worth making. So few of us as disciples have a regular practice of the spiritual discipline of fasting in our lives. I've had years in my life where I've had weekly fasts, a day a week, and some periods of longer fasting. And I've had plenty of other seasons. I've been in one in the last year, probably since COVID, really, where I've been much less disciplined with this area of fasting. As, as I look back and think, I wonder if you can guess with me the seasons of life where I've grown in my closeness to Jesus most, where I've been more alert and aware of 
sin in my life that I need to bring before the Lord, where I've walked more in his authority and known his power. I wonder when those seasons have been. For sure, when I look back at my journals, they've been in the periods where I've been regularly giving myself to the Lord in this way. When you fast, Jesus says, that's, that's a big challenge. Maybe that's the only thing you write down in your notepad this morning. When I fast, it's not an option, it's a command. We're learning to obey everything Jesus taught us. And so it's right up there with all the other commands. Honour your parents, don't steal, don't lie. Um, if you've repented and believed in Jesus, be baptised in water. These are all commands that we say, oh yeah, we obey that. And Jesus says, when you fast. Secondly, Jesus here is teaching a big crowd. It's called the Sermon on the Mount because he's on a mountain and he's got a big crowd, thousands, as well as his disciples uh, around him. And he's already done some amazing teaching with them. He's said in verse 5, when you pray. He said in verse 2, when you give. Here are some big spiritual disciplines for disciples as well. Giving, our relationship with our finances and our stuff. That shows our heart for God. And when you pray. Here he deals with fasting. When you fast as a separate spiritual discipline. For, for me, I've always had oh, prayer and fasting, prayer and fasting, fasting and prayer. They're, the two kind of go together. But when we see in the scriptures, fasting will often, they often are connected, but they'll often, it will often stand on its own as a, as a spiritual exercise. I think it's Arthur Wallace in his, in his great little book, he says uh, that uh, fasting is, prayer and fasting are not like a semi-detached house connected to its neighbour prayer. I like that. It's a house in its own grounds. It stands alone. Let's build the house when you fast. And what do I get out of fasting? These verses tell us, actually, there's nothing public that I get out of fasting. Uh, I'm, I'm on Strava for, with my running club, my running friends, and my marathon training, next marathon coming up in, in March. And so you put in a long training run, and everyone on Strava can give you a, a bit of kudos, give you a thumbs up. And you can, an hour or two after you've finished a long training run on a wet Friday morning, you've run 18 miles, and you can go back on Strava and find, wow, 27 people have liked my run. And I just, oh, I just feel, I, I feel the aches are going. I feel better already. I'll eat another sandwich. That's how, that's how it works. Listen, when it comes to fasting, there's there's, Jesus is completely undermining our need for admiration. He takes away, uh, it cuts, undercuts our, our pride. We'll talk about fasting in this way as a church family and I think probably tonight we'll just do five minutes of very practical uh, follow-up on our press pause evening. But we want to equip in this way, but there's no boasting or pride uh, about it. We're not going to do a roll of honour at the end of January. Who's fasted the longest? And, and you get a you get a big pie or something. I don't know. We're not going to do that. Um, but uh, it would be fun, but it would, it would totally go against the scriptures here. Jesus is correcting the religious pride of the Pharisees. Again, it's, it's, just, it's just the opposite of our world culture, isn't it? What we've been discipled in. Um, do you know, nearly everything that we do of value in our walk with God, I think is probably done in secret, uh, in private, alone. It's, it's the opposite of, of uh, the West where we oh, approve, approve, like me, like me. Um, we are junkies for that stuff. So we've got some learning to do. I think fasting really helps us with that. Jesus says earlier in Matthew 6, when you pray, shut yourself away behind the door. And he says here, yeah, when you fast, look normal, okay? I've oiled my head this morning because I have a head that I can oil. Uh, actually, it's moisturizer, but you don't need to know that. Um, what he's saying is, he's, he's saying, keep it between you and God. You're doing this as part of your worship. It's for an audience of, of one. Only God alone needs to know what you've agreed before him for this season of prayer and fasting. It's not for the crowd. It's not for admiration. It's for your Father in heaven who sees and rewards. 
And if there is a reward from the Father, then I wonder what kind of reward it is that we might, might find. Let's move on in the passage. Again, we just take these little verses out. Oh, where, where does it talk about fasting in the New Testament? And I'll Google it and find those verses we've just looked at. But they're in the context of Jesus' teaching. We need to read on and find out what else is linked to, our, to when we fast. And he says, uh, your father will reward you when you fast. Verse 19, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Wow, treasure. Jesus immediately follows when you fast with speaking about what we treasure, what we value the most. Fasting isn't a quick fix. It's like every other spiritual discipline. Fruit is produced slowly. Uh, We get a picture here of a storehouse that's being filled. But the storehouse, the warehouse of God's reward gets filled over time as we seek God uh, in, in this way. We're accumulating something in God. We're not even aware of it. It's a spiritual dynamic, but we're accumulating something in God as we take hold of him in fasting. And I believe, and Jesus teaches it here, all the other treasures and the rewards of life, they start to fade. They start to look a little bit less shiny when we're consumed and hungry to pursue Jesus. And so my heart begins to change. I get weaned off. Have you ever tried coming off sugar? That's one, for me, when I fast, it's one of the hardest things. I, you know, I, there's sugar in everything. I don't put much sugar on stuff, but I find a couple of days of, not, uh, of just drinking water and, and I, I've got the kind of sugar shakes, okay? When we, when we give ourselves in a hunger for Jesus, the things that pull us, and I'm not talking about sugar, I'm talking about attitudes and, um, and drives in our life. They, they, they begin to fight back, but we, fasting helps me to grow as a worshipper, to truly treasure Jesus above all else. And secondly, look at these, uh, these next verses that, that come up here. The eye, verse 22, is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. If your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Secondly, when we fast, I think we find a new clarity, a new discernment. Um, there's a, a light, there's a purity and cleansing as well that goes on, a bit like the, the kind of range of those waters there. Um, we're treasuring Jesus. We're beginning to be drawn again into all the treasure and beauty uh, that is Jesus. And the pull of these other desires gets weakened. I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of my faith and other distractions. They're shh. They're silenced. Fasting helps me to helps to bring this clarity to my spirit. It helps me to discern where my heart's been pulled towards lesser treasure. I was out walking yesterday morning and praying, and I, I'd had a plan to pray about loads of big stuff in the church. And I felt on day one, God just speak to me about some areas of my heart where it's got pulled this way when he wants to draw me back into his orbit in a new way. I said, God, I've got really important things to pray about. No, I want to give you some clarity on your heart. Friends, that's what fasting does as we give ourselves to him. And look at verse, uh, at verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Uh-oh, he's going here. Either he will hate the one and love the other. He'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Listen, 
I'm not going to preach to you about money, though you're welcome to give as part of your worship at the end, because uh, that's what we do as followers of Jesus. But because fasting puts Jesus back uh, at the centre of our hearts, all the other idols in our life and the treasures that we run after, get, they get weakened, they even get broken. Um, all the other things that have mastered me, that, or that I've put my hope and security in falsely. Yeah, money, financial security. Um, Jesus says, when you fast, you, you realise I can't split my devotion equally between them. I, I like to think I can feed both appetites, but I, I can't. Devotion is a single focus. It's about worship. I can either worship and look for security in this place, or I can say, Jesus, you're my treasure. You're my all in all. And fasting opens my eyes and reveals to me, wow, that's a lesser treasure I've been giving myself to, and turns my heart and my mind again to Jesus Christ. In Matthew 13, uh, Jesus tells the parable, he talks about it being like finding treasure hidden in a field. You think, oh, that's some treasure. What do I do to get that treasure? I sell everything else I have. In order, to have, in order to have this one thing that is the treasure of Jesus Christ. There's no compromise, friends. There's no compromise in our walk with Jesus. Every other shiny treasure is put aside. Fasting helps us loosen the grip of that and turn to Jesus. Carry on, look, verse 25. Are you with me still? Okay, good. Verse 25. <laughs> Jesus is still saying, when you fast, okay? Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, about your body, what you'll wear. Is life not more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Maybe I'll just move down to, the, to verse 31, although the whole, the whole chunk is worth reading. So do not worry, saying, what should we eat or what should we drink or what should we wear? For the pagans, the unbelievers, run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. We live our lives full of anxiety, um, running after money, anxious about provision in life, the stuff we need, worried about our future, full of regrets about our past. Jesus says these things, the pagans run after these things. Other translations tell us they, these things dominate the minds of unbelievers. I was thinking as I was praying yesterday, wow, uh, we often live functionally more like unbelievers than believers because so much of the time we're as stressed and as anxious as the rest of the world. So much of the time our testimony is one of saying, yeah, I'm as joyless as the rest of you. I'm chasing after all the wrong treasures just like the unbelievers are. But when you fast, Jesus says, fasting enables us to pull back and expose these layers of wrong reliance. Brings us back to the true treasure. I hope you're going to pray with me as we worship in a few minutes. Jesus, I'm hungry for you alone, for your kingdom. Fasting reminds me the Father promises for those who come to him, he's the true bread of life. He's going to feed us with everything we need. He's the living water. He gave manna, bread in the desert to his people over years and years. He's now the Father who gives the true, daily, constant, perfect bread of life, Jesus Christ us. Why do we have to worry when the gospel is going to shape our lives with its treasure? So fasting releases us to seek first his kingdom from the hold, breaks the hold of money and anxiety. So all my, I'm summing up here, but all my longings get dethroned, all my cravings that are led by my appetites get mastered. They get brought again under the lordship of Jesus. They, I come out from under the false lordship of other appetites and I can open my heart, my ambitions, my discernment to Jesus Christ afresh. 
I'm, I'm coming to God. I love the way Arthur Wallace sums it up. He, he says, when we fast, we fast to God and for God. It's not for me. It's not for the stuff I'll get out of it, though I, we'll find in a moment before we sum up, we do get stuff out of it. Wallace says, heaven loves to rebound the blessing on our heads. The God who sees you pursue him in secret is graciously pleased to reward you openly. And we are rescued in this way from the blessings we receive, ever meaning more to us than the blesser. Isn't that lovely? Wow. Sometimes when I pray and fast, I think, oh God, I'm just asking you for stuff. No, when we, when we come to him in this way, Wallace reminds us that we are rescued from the blessings ever meaning more to us than the blessing. So let's master these appetites. Let's see them dethroned where we can be more sensitive and open to what the Lord Jesus is saying. Can I hear an amen, please? And, and briefly, what else is fasting for? Um, Acts chapter 13, 2. Uh, the elders in the Antioch church, they're fasting and worshipping. They're not praying and fasting. It's not a semi-detached house, remember. They're fasting and worshipping to the Lord. Uh, and uh, in that context... The Lord speaks to them and says, I want you to send a couple of your elders and they're going to go planting churches around the Greek Roman world. So the context is that they're fasting, they're worshipping, they're open to the mission of the Lord. I don't know if Paul and Barnabas, who were sent, had come into that time of fasting, thinking, Lord, are you speaking to us about the islands and church planting? Or whether it came to them out of nowhere. We don't know that. We don't have that in mind. But what we do find is that when we fast often, the Lord will begin to speak to us about new things, new places. I'll find often when I'm fasting that I'll find myself praying for nations or for our role here as a kind of impart an apostolic church planting base. I've found myself at times, as I look back in my journals, even praying for people or places I've never been to or have no connection with, but the Lord's just put them on my heart. This is what fasting does. Often when we're fasting, prophetic commissioning and leadership comes in. I remember when Danny and Giovanna first came, we've been getting to know Danny three or four months uh, and, and be, beginning, beginning to get to know Danny's friends in Brazil who were planting churches and beginning to build friendships. And I was thinking, wow, Lord, we've got enough on our plates already. I don't know if this is a door you're opening and I dare not open it if it isn't. So as we came about three or four months later to a time of fasting, I said, God, this is something I'm going to pray and fast about. The first um, time I came, we had an, an all prayer here and I'd invited a prophetic friend, Lawrence, some of you will know him, uh, came to, just to be around and to prophesy on this night of prayer. I hadn't even prayed about the Brazil stuff yet. And as Lawrence arrived, I don't know, 7, 7.30 before we started the meeting, he said, oh, I've, I've got loads of things for people tonight and for the church. Oh, great. Thanks, Lawrence. Um, so before we start, I just need to tell you, as I was praying for you this week, I, I saw a, a map of the UK and Brazil and I saw a door open in Brazil, like a bridge going from, from you. It was you personally and it was the church going from from you to Brazil. I don't know if the Lord's saying anything that, but I just felt I had to share that with you before we started. What's going on there? I haven't even prayed at that point. I've just got a new friend for three months called Daniel, who's come from Brazil, and some things that maybe are opening up, and actually some confusion and disquiet in my heart about, is this really something we should run after? When we give ourselves to fasting, the Lord brings commissioning. He opens doors, uh, and he gives us uh, a direction. Fasting can have an impact as well. I'm moving fast now, but it is fasting. Uh, for certain types of healing and deliverance from demonic pressure. 
Um, Mark chapter 9, Jesus has been up on the mountain with his inner circle of disciples. Uh, and the other disciples have been trying to set a boy free who's having seizures. Uh, it looks like it's of a demonic origin. Uh, and they, they can't help him. And the crowd are getting ugly. Uh, and Jesus comes down the mountain and he says, be clean. And the boy is set free. Then he speaks with his disciples privately. And they say, Jesus, why couldn't we sort this out? And Jesus says in Mark 9, 29, this kind will only come out through prayer and fasting. Listen, I don't know what my fasting is doing in heaven, kind of backstage, behind the scenes. I don't have insight to that. Um, I, I don't know what it's triggering, but certainly it seems to be true in my, in my life and in our experience here that, that when we fast, often God will just do something for breakthrough, particularly in healing or deliverance. Or sometimes he'll give us a discernment that we didn't have before that will just bring through the breakthrough. I remember praying for about a year and a half for a lady called Kathy in a previous church that we led who'd had her, part of her spine fused and had constant pain and restriction of movement. We prayed for, for Kathy and anointed her with oil every week, probably for the best part of a year, and, and saw no change at all. If anything, she was getting worse. I had a period of fasting and I felt the Lord say there were some very specific issues of unforgiveness and, and bitterness and repentance that were needed. So I, I gently shared it with her and, and shared the situation that I felt the Holy Spirit had given me. Straight away, she agreed and, and she got on her knees and repented before the Lord and put things right in the broken relationship. Over the next three weeks, her spine was set free and she was healed. What's happened there? Well, the fasting, I don't know what's happened backstage, but, but the fasting triggered a word of knowledge. Sometimes you don't get words of knowledge. There just seems to be suddenly a new power that brings breakthrough. Um, this Mark 9 scene shows us these helpless disciples. I, I look at my own life and ministry over the years and most of the time I felt thoroughly helpless. Um, unable to help this boy with what we have and with what we know. All I do know is there's a need for something more, for someone more to help us. It says in Mark 9, as soon as the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and they ran to greet him. Listen, I, as I said, I don't know what fasting triggers, but I know that in all my prayer and fasting, I must know Jesus better. I, I'm desperate to see him more clearly. I, I want us to be overwhelmed with wonder uh, as we meet with him in worship as we carry his presence and his resources into every situation that needs his true authority R rather than carrying my own inadequacy into those very same situations I, if, if fasting means I get to welcome the overwhelming presence of Jesus with me that, then I'm good with that and I think so will you be too Listen, uh, I was going to look at Mark 9, Matthew 9.15 where, where Jesus seems to tell his disciples, uh, don't fast. That would contradict Matthew 6 and it would spoil this whole sermon. But I'm going to leave that for now um, because I want us to worship. Anna Ban, can you come back and help us? Um, I will just do five minutes of application tonight. Fasting is connected too with the return of Jesus. It's connected with our longing for the bridegroom to come back. In Matthew 9, Jesus speaks about new wineskins and wine. Again, we won't get into that now, but we're emptying ourselves because we are thirsty to be filled with the new wine of the Spirit. We're longing for his presence, his filling, his power in our lives. So Jesus is challenging us as his disciples. When you fast, when you fast, we're not setting rules for you here. Um, we're not saying we're all going to do it this day or in this way or in that way, that would go against some of the scriptures that we've already looked at today. We're not going to add to our faith rules in an attempt to please God. We're under his grace. But disciples, friends, 
when you fast. It's part of our discipleship, part of our prayer life. So uh, tonight we'll just spend five minutes prayerfully in this and I'll put it up now as we worship. We're just asking the Lord, why don't you stand with me now as well actually. Let's ask the Lord, will he speak to us about these areas of our life? Maybe the Holy Spirit's already put his finger on something. What about your treasures, my treasures? We're saying, Lord, we, in this month of devotion, we want clarity, discernment. Maybe it's attitudes to money. Maybe there are areas of anxiety. Maybe I'm not really seeking first your kingdom. They're kind of Matthew 6 treasures. Perhaps there's some dethroning to do in your life. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? What about our habits? Are there appetites that master you and me that need to be thrown, dethroned? There's only one master, Jesus Christ, on his throne. Maybe there's some natural things. You've got fads about stuff or anxieties about foods or habits in life. Maybe they're sinful habits. Maybe there are fears around you. I believe the Lord wants to break some food allergies as well in this time. The 1 Corinthians 6 stuff. Bring your habits before the Lord. What about your call? What about the commissioning of the Holy Spirit? There's so much more than just your stuff and head down your life. Is God speaking to you about certain people, certain places, certain nations? Maybe as we walk with Stu, with the prayer walking through this month, God will speak to you about a part of the town or a street or a house. Let's be open to our call from the Holy Spirit when we fast. And then what about your breakthrough? Your breakthrough or others that you're praying for? The Mark 9 kind of stuff in healing, in freedom from demonic pressure. Is there stuff in your life, in your house, in your family, or for those you are holding on to the Lord for, where you're just aware, Lord, I've got nothing in my own resource, but we long to be overwhelmed with wonder at what you bring as we fast and as we seek you. Are you with me on this church? Just wave your hands if you're with me. Come on, let's worship the Lord together. We'll pray, minister in the Spirit, and we'll come back and do five minutes tonight of this at the start of our press boards. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. As the band lead us, don't let us go passive or switch off. Or we pray right now you'd be speaking very powerfully and directly into our hearts. Lord, there are some here that will already be praying and fasting. Others who haven't even realised. Lord, thank you for your love for us. It doesn't matter. You're ready to speak right now. So we pray, just begin coming, begin releasing. Lord, may even in our worship now, may we be overwhelmed with wonder and awe as we draw near to you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.